Okay, last week I preached to you about I want to know what love is. Anybody sing the song? Anybody? Anybody want to hit it? I, I, I said earlier, service, no way I can hit it with all this uh, sinus stuff. You know, it got a little warm for a couple of days, you know, out there, and the pollen came out. I don't know if it hit y'all, but it hit me, so I wouldn't be able to hit those high notes. I was struggling the first service just hitting these right here, but uh, that was really about, you know, that relationship that we have with that one significant person. And the model is Jesus Christ. I meant the sacrifice, you know, of dying on the cross of Calvary and how he gave it, how he chose to do that. That's the model. So this is kind of playing off that a little bit, coming up, but we're talking about relationship with God, okay? Not about that significant other, the one that we're going to be united to for the rest of our life, but about God. What is a relationship with God really like? And, and I've had some people challenge me on this, say, you know, some of you guys, you know, pointing their finger at me, say, some of you guys, y'all preach relationship, you know, because that's what, that's what Christianity is to y'all. But Christianity is this, 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 and this. And I say, you know, but you know, the things they say about that, I say, well, you know what? I believe that. But you're saying it's just this. I'm saying it's relationship, and so it's this and that and this and that and this and that. What I'm saying is the whole thing is relationship because Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, you know what it says? It says, uh, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone hears me, my voice, and opens the door, I will come in. And, you know, my, you know, my translation from back in January when I, when I gave you that, is, the way I translate that is Jesus says, you open the door and knock, I'm going to come in, and I'm going to stay for dinner because he says, I'll eat with you, I'll sup with you. That's a relationship. Let me show it to you right here also. Uh, scripture in John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. That's more than just a 15-minute, you know, prayer with God, going to do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home, make our home with each of them. We will come and make, okay, so look at what he's saying here. He is saying, I want to make a home with you. Okay, we, we, we often talk about a spiritual house, you know, this, this Christian life that we live in. It's like we're building a spiritual house, okay? Jesus says, I want to live in that house with you. I want to make a home there with you. What he's saying is, I don't want to be a golf buddy. I don't want to just friend you on Facebook. You know what? Jesus doesn't even want to just be your mentor. That's not what he wants to He says, I want to have relationship. I want to move. And Jesus says, I'm not stopping by for a visit. I want to move in with you. I told you, I actually tweeted this a few weeks ago. I said, you know, a lot of Christians, what a lot of Christians do is they date Jesus on the weekends. For an hour and 15 minutes, they have a date with Jesus, you know, on Sunday morning. Jesus says, I don't want to date I don't want to be your buddy. I don't want to hang out. I don't want to, you know, just be your friend on Facebook. I want to have relationship with you. And so what is relationship? We're going to talk about the spiritual house this morning, the one that you're building. God said he would build with you. He would build his home there with you. We'll talk about this this morning, okay? Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you, God. What an awesome, Lord, an awesome touch and awesome move of your spirit already in this service, God, in the early service, Lord. Thank you, God. And I pray, do it again, Lord. Do it again right now. I pray, God, you challenge us. I pray, God, you help us get out of those comfortable places, God, and to, and to get into new places, God, to experience even, even greater things of, of who you are, God, and what you can do in us. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody that agree with that prayer said, Amen. Okay, so let's get into, the, into this spiritual house for just a moment. And, and you know, here's the whole thing, is, is that most of us, what we do is we get, a, we get a, a favorite room in the house. Now, you probably got that at home too, right? You got like a favorite room in the house, you know? It's like, it's like there's an imprint of my backside, you know, on one end of the couch, you know, right there in front of the TV. You know what I'm I mean, it's just, it's just sunk in a little bit more on my side than it is on David's side, you know, because I weigh a good bit more than she does. You know, so, I mean, we all get our comfortable places, our places. And we do that spiritually as well. But we got to go on. He wants a relationship. And a relationship is about all of it. 
It's the whole thing, okay? So let's move in the first room of the house. And, and I know this is not necessarily the first room of the house that you think you get into, but you know what? Spiritually speaking, it is, and it's the bath. You know, the bath is ever, it's like, you know, the labor, you know, that, that same word of labor that, that in the Old Testament, the, the, in the temple courtyard, there was the labor there that, that held all those, uh, you know, preached to you last year about the temple and about, about all, those, all those gallons and gallons and gallons of water that was in the labor that they used because they had to wash all these things. They had to wash and constantly wash. And it's the first thing you do is to wash. I mean, that's how you meet Jesus, right? You meet Jesus. I mean, you may hear about him, but when you meet him, it's in the washing, right? And, and you know, you know and I... I almost left this one out because there's just so many cute little things running through my head right now that are kind of, you know, junior high school humor. You know what I'm talking about? You know, with, uh, you know, in the bathroom. But, you know, I think about it. You ever heard somebody say, man, say, I couldn't stay out of the bathroom or I couldn't get out of the bathroom? Oh, I'm, man, uh, I'm glad my wife stepped out just now so that she wouldn't, so she, she wouldn't know that I said this this morning. But, you know, you ever heard anybody? I was so sick this week I couldn't stay out. You ever heard anybody say that? But you know what? There's a lot of people, a lot of Christians that have a sickness about them that is keeping them in the bathroom. Okay, now I'm talking about something else. But here, here's, I mean, this week I was ministering to somebody dealing with this same issue. And I've done this so many times. I, I had a lady when pastoring my very first church, a lady that didn't even attend my church. She, she picked up the phone. I think she accidentally called me one time. I don't even know how she got my, I never met the lady face to face. Never met the lady face to face. She used to call me all the time. She was having, she was having dreams every night about how that, how that God was going to torture and, and torment her because of the sin that was in her. This is a woman that was in church every week, and this is a woman that was praying every day, but she was tortured by the guilt and the condemnation that was in her life. And you know what? You know what? When you begin to believe that you've got to pray and repent every single day, over all this stuff, this guy that called me, or, or actually he called me a few weeks ago, I called him back this week and we were talking, you know what he asked me? He said, he said I want to know about the end time. He said, I've been, he said you know, I've been thinking about every single thing that I've ever done and I, I've, been, I've been apologizing to God, I've been repenting over it, but I, I keep repenting over it, I just want to make sure it's still under the blood and, and I just keep repenting over it and I'm just worried that there's one more thing that's there and I keep, keep worried about it. And you know what? You need to understand, if you start living like that, you don't believe in the power of the blood of Jesus to save you from your sin. You believe it's in you. You believe, you know, you're not going to be separated from your sin because you pray the best sinner's prayer or because you follow those ABCs, ask, believe, and, and uh, confess that that's how you get saved. You're not believing. Can I show you the power of the blood of Jesus? Here it is in these verses of Scripture. Unlike those other high priests, this is Hebrews chapter 7, Jesus does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this because of their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as a sacrifice for the people's sins. On the law appointed high priests who were limited, limited by human weaknesses. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath. And his son has been made the perfect high priest forever. Go on. Uh, I think we're in chapter 9. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured my redemption forever. We're going on, I think, chapter 10. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sin, good for all time. And then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And continuing, for by that one offering, he forever, he forever made perfect those who are being, and no, so, so look at that right there. Those who are being made, you're still being made holy, I agree. But 
in his eyes, you're already perfect. You understand that? You might not be, you're not perfect right now in my eyes. But he says, you're being, you are already made perfect, those who are being made holy. And verse 17 says, then he says, I will never again remember their seeds and lawless deeds. The power of salvation is not in your ability to pray and repent. It's in the power of the blood of Jesus to wash away your sins. Somebody say, go ahead, praise him for that blood. But I can't tell you the numbers of people that I talk to, that I minister to, that I beg with, please get out of the bathroom. You know, here's what Paul said. He said in, in, in chapter 6 of, of Hebrews, verse 1, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Stop, get away from that. He's saying get out of the bath. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds. Verse 2. You don't need further instruction about baptism, laying on the hands, the resurrection of the dead. and You don't need it. You don't need a, You know what Paul was saying? He was saying, you need to get a life. If, if you are so bound by guilt and condemnation, you need to today, one time, forever, and f- realize the blood of Jesus has forgiven all that, and it is forgiven forever, and you are perfect in his sight, even though he is still perfecting you in our sight. And you need to get a life. You need to get on with life. You need to get on to something else. Because you're locked in the bathroom. Your relationship with God, I, you know, I don't know how big your bathroom is at your house. We got a little half bath downstairs. I mean, I'd hate to live all my life in that little bath. That's where some of you are spiritually. And some of this is foreign to some of you because you can't imagine anybody doing this. But yeah, there are people, and some of you are sitting right here. And you're still, you're, still, you're still stressing over that sin because you've been worse than anybody else. I don't care how worse you've been because you can't be worse. You can, you, you're, you're the worst you've ever been. Is, can never measure up to the goodness of how good he has been. Meaning that his perfection is much stronger than your wickedness. Mm, amen. So go on. So you know, you know the next room most people move into, don't you? It's the family room. I mean, because that's what you do. You get saved, you get in church. What you do, you start connecting with people in the church, right? You start hanging out. I, I don't know what family room's like in your house. I mean, you, you might call it the living room or the den or the whatever. But, you know, most family rooms, you know, they got the TV. And life in a lot of homes revolves around the TV. Amen, roll me. But yep, that's the way it is. You know, and especially Saturday afternoons in the fall around here, this part of the country, you know what? Yeah, around the TV. Going to be a whole lot of time spent in the family room. I mean, that's a place where you connect. That's a place where you get to know one another. That's a place where you share. Uh, you know, uh, growing up, that was the place where we did our, our, our Bible reading, at, you know, at night in prayer. That's the, the family room. It was also the place where I could go and make my petitions known to my dad. Like when I turned 14 years old, you know what I realized? It was going to be two more years before I could get in a car and drive somewhere by myself. So I had a plan. Other people around me by age had, had uh, motorcycles, and I lived in a little bitty town. Police didn't care if you had a license or not. 13-year-olds had motorcycles and drove around in my town. I put my, I put my whole plan together. I put, you know, my arguments were ready. You know, I had it all figured out how I was going to make some money to buy the gas for this motorcycle and everything. I put it together, and I started toward the family room because that's where my dad held court. You know, if you needed a raise, I didn't get an allowance, so I can't say if you needed a raise and an allowance. So I had, we, didn't do, we didn't handle it that way when I was growing up. But if you needed something, I mean, that's where you did it. So I went in, you know, and I was pumped. I was excited and I was nervous as I could be. And I went in and I sat down and I don't think I got out of about five words. The dad issued his degree because you know what? The family room was also the room of instruction. And the instruction I got was, no, sir, you cannot have a motorcycle. End of discussion and it's over. I didn't even get to make that. You know, I spent all that time preparing my, my, you know, preparing my case and I didn't get to share it. That's important. Hang on to that a little later in the message. I want to come back to that. I want you to think about that at the end of this sermon. 
because that's where some of you are. You, you need to be. But you know what the family room is? The family room is a place of connection. But you know what? It almost becomes a false place of connection sometimes. Let me, let me illustrate. i got so much to preach here. i got, I got to hurry through some of this. So let me skip this and let me say this to you real quick. You know like that aunt that you invite over every once in a while and you really hate to invite that one particular aunt over? There may be an uncle or somebody else in your family. But, you know, that aunt, you know. And you kind of hate to invite her because, you know, she always talks to you about you're too thin or you're too fat or when are you going to get married? Or when are you going to have kids? Or why are those kids that you already have, why do they act like hellions like they do or whatever, you know? And she's always on you about something. And so what do you want to do? You don't want to invite her over by herself, do you? Mm-mm. You want a bunch of people there to be buffers, right? You want, some, some, you want some other people that can talk to her. Some other people maybe, and you want, you know, you want thinner people than you there so she can get on them. Or fatter people, you know, and you know, that's what you want. And you want to build all this together because... Because you're just a little nervous around just being there just with her. Anybody, I, I don't know. Anybody getting ahead of me here, here on this? You thinking about where we're going with this? Because that's what we can do spiritually too. We enjoy the family room because the family room is a place of connection, but we don't have to get too close. You know, and, and here's, what, here's what happens. When, when, when you build a church like a family church, you build a church like a family, you know, the, the spiritual house of a church is a family type feeling and it's all locked up in the family room. Or when your life is like that and the only relationship you have with Jesus is when you're around a whole bunch of other people because you know what you end up with? You end up with dead churches full of traditions and Christians who love each other, but Jesus, mm, not so much. Because you, you know what you do? We build our traditions. I heard somebody the other night was talking about, you know, the, they kind of had the tradition of, of playing games. They'd get together with some other people in their family, and they'd play games, you know. And I, I said, you know, the, I guess those aren't too bad. I mean, you know, but some, they went just a little too far with it. They say it's, a, it's pajama night. They put on their pajamas and play games. And I, I was thinking, and there are men that do this? So I said, you know, I thought, it goes just a little too far with some of this, you know. But we build our traditions, don't we? You know, we build our traditions in our homes and there are certain things that we do. I mean, it's almost a tradition now in my house. If, there, you know, if there's a college football game that we want to see it, people come to my house. I mean, you know, in my family. I mean, if we're going somewhere else, somebody has to say, hey, why don't we go to this house? I mean, because it's a tradition. And you get, you get caught up in the tradition, even in the songs and the music. Somebody get the guitar and let's sing today. In the, you know, play, let's all sing. Sing some of our good old songs that we like singing. And we do, that. We, we do that, and if we're not careful, we can do that in our church, and it all becomes about the tradition, and, and the tradition becomes our mindset and the things that we do, and that's what happens to church. That's why churches grow cold and they grow dead. It's because they're just about the traditions, and we like hanging out with one another. We like fellowshipping. We like the connection that we have. We like, you know, slapping a hand and saying, hey, how's it going, brother? You know, how, how's it been this week? Because we're a little nervous about being in a room with Jesus, just us and him. Because he might do like Britain was telling us to pray. He might tell us something we don't want to hear, like that ant. He might want us to do something we don't want to do. And so we like to build this. We like this because this, this is good. Get a crowd around me. That way Jesus can't just focus on me. Let me tell you something. He's an awesome guy. He's tearing you apart just at the same time he's tearing the five people right around you apart at the same time. He's able to do that. You need to get out of the family room. It's a great place to go, but don't lock your Jesus up in the family room. Let's go a little deeper where. Well, let, 
Let's go to the study then. We need to learn about Jesus, don't we? need to know about him. Where do you, where do you learn? Where do you, in the study. I don't know, in your house, you might not have a study. My study's about this big because it's a lap desk that I put you know, on my lap and I put my laptop on, you know. So that, that, I've had studies before, but in this house, I mean, we got too much life going on in my house for me to have a study, you know. But imagine this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurry through this one if I can. Imagine this. Imagine that every day that I come home, I go to the study, and I want to get to know my wife. So you know what I do is I reach over to the bookshelf and I pull off her high school yearbook. And I start flipping through. I find that picture of her. Mm. Those eyes that Twitter painted me when I was eight years old. I can say that because she's not in the room. Y'all don't tell her I use that word. You'll know what it was about her. That's from Bambi in case some of y'all aren't uh, familiar with Bambi. I can read that. I can uh, look for some of those people that I've heard her call their names. That these were the people I was closest to. You know, and I can flip through and I can find them and I can look and see what they wrote beside their picture. Flip to the back, you know, and see what they all wrote in their very back. Look through it and find the activities and the things, the clubs that she was in, you know. And man, I can learn a lot about who she was back. And then, you know what, I can, I can you know, fire up the computer. I can go on her Facebook page. I can look, you know, I can read her info page, you know, and, and see, maybe, see if she's changed any info about herself. See if anything's happening to my wife since I talked to her last. Come on, you following me here where I'm going with this? And, you know, and I can check out her wall post, you know, see if there's anything there. See, see maybe who's friended her lately. Maybe she's got a new friend or something. And if, and if I really get brave, I could even write her a poem. And maybe I could put it on her Facebook. Or maybe if I really, really get brave, I could actually write it out by hand and see if I could find her somewhere else in the house and hand it to her. Imagine if that was my relationship with her. You know what? You can know everything you want to know about Jesus, and it's not the same. The difference is in knowing about Jesus and in knowing Jesus. And here, here's, here's, what, here's what Scripture said about it. Jesus actually himself said, You search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the Scriptures point to me. We, we go after the Scripture. And listen, I'm not saying don't study. We need to study. Because you know what we say? We say that the Scripture, that, that is our rules for government. It's everything that we, we use to direct our lives. Well, you know what? We're in trouble then. We don't know the Scriptures. I mean, if that's the way we're going to be guided, I mean, we're going to be in trouble if we don't know the Scriptures. How are we going to be guided? We need to, but what I'm talking to you about today is balance. You know, you can, you can know the Word front to back. You can know it and be able to recite it from in the beginning all the way to amen. But that doesn't mean you know Jesus, because Jesus just said, you search the Scriptures, but the Scriptures won't give you eternal life. They will point you to me, and I'm the one that gives you eternal life. And even though this study's important, we got it. And I don't, you know, I don't know anybody here. I mean, I don't know anybody here that's really caught up in this one room. I mean, you know, people like that's caught up. You know, if I were to have Sunday school at, at eight o'clock because you know we had to start church at nine thirty, maybe eight thirty. I mean, how many of y'all would show up? You know, see, none of y'all locked in the study room, are you? I mean, no, we're not. But maybe we lock ourselves in some other ones. So let's go on to the bedroom now. If y'all, are, if y'all are wise enough, if y'all, if y'all are, you got enough common sense, I won't have to get real graphic here, okay? But if somebody's not following me, raise your hand, and uh, I'll let the rest of you put your hands over your ears, and I'll get graphic and explain to you what I'm talking about. But the bedroom is a place of intimacy. It is a place of connection. It is a place, it is a place where, where you let the walls down, you know, I mean, we talk about letting walls down, but we, keep, we have to keep some walls up. I mean, you have to. But in any real, strong marriage, the walls 
have to come all the way down. It's a, pl- it's a place of trust because of that. It's a place where faith builds in the relationship. Those are the things that happen in, in the bedroom, in the place of intimacy, and what we would term our worship. You know, we've been in the bedroom this morning. I don't, I don't, I don't know. The bedroom might not have shown up back there where y'all were, but it showed up right here this morning. Twice, three times already at least. We've been in the bedroom this morning. It is an awesome place. And you know the good thing about it is what Jesus said about, about this. He said, the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. And we read this scripture all the time when we want to preach about how you're supposed to worship. I mean, that's, that's what we get out of this. But you know, I like that last, ver- that last part of that verse right there. It tells me that God wants somebody to worship Him. It's, saying, it's telling me that God, God wants to get out of the bathroom. God wants to get out of the study. God wants to get out of the, God, God says, if you'll just unlock the door, let's, let's go to the bedroom, let's be intimate. I, I want a connection with you that is real, that is deeper than what you can read in a page. I want you to know me like you really, really ought to know me. I want to be intimate with you. I want us to pull down the walls and I want me and you to get to know each other like, like you've never known anybody before. He says, I want people to worship me. That's what he's saying about this. That's what is important about that verse is he wants you to do that. And man, it's an awesome thing. It's tremendous to worship God in such a way like that. Man, it can, it can blow you away. But there's danger in it too. And, and, and it's time for true confession. As a pastor here right now, it's time for open confession right here. And as pastor, I'm, I'm going to confess for churches everywhere. As we, in the past, let me tell you what we've done in the past. We have used worship and the intimacy of worship to try and give people not just an appetite, but an addiction to worship. So we can hang on to them and they won't go down the road and find somebody else that's got a better worship. We've done that. And we were wrong. And there are churches out there still doing it and they're still wrong. Because God didn't call us to make people addicted to worship. He called us to make people addicted to Him. He doesn't want us to know who worship, what worship is. He wants us to know who He is. And, here, and you know what happens when you do that? And I've, 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 preached, I've preached almost entire messages around this one thought. is what ends up happening is you fall in love with worship instead of Jesus Christ. And you end up going into worship and you're just worshiping worship instead of worshiping Jesus Christ. And you know why? And, and let me tell you, here, here's, here's, here's the way it happens. Is the way it happens is because this becomes your favorite room. You've been to the bathroom, got cleaned up. You've been to the study, you know, you got some information, some knowledge about Jesus. Been to the family, like fellowship, but oh man, worship is awesome. Let's lock the door, Jesus. I want you to stay right here with me. And this is the, this, this is the best room in the house, Jesus, and we ain't leaving here. But can you imagine a marriage that only exists in the bedroom? You know what, remember what I told you last week about sex outside of that committed relationship? I'm talking about marriage. The commit, the lifelong committed. You know what sex is? Sex is one of the most selfish things you can do outside of that committed relationship. Because it ain't about us, it's about you. It's the most, it's the most and you know what? It's the same thing with God. It's when that's the only room you want to visit in your relationship with Him, it's a selfish thing. If you're not committed, you, know, you see, your spouse, if you're married, and if you're not, your future spouse one day, doesn't want to just connect with you in the bedroom. They want to spend some time in the kitchen and eating some meals 
they want to spend some time in the family room just talking. And sometimes they want to turn the lights down low and watch a movie, just you and them. And Jesus is the same way. And when you don't do it, when you don't, when you, when you don't do that, it is the most shallow, you know, Britain was headed toward this just a little bit ago. Because this is not all of it. This is just the beginning. And if that's your, if you've locked Jesus up in that room, so here's the problem. Is we worship, man, this is great, this is awesome. And then we say, whew, amen, it's time to go home. Jesus, we're going to leave you right, stay right here. And the problem is, we lock Jesus up in our worship on Sunday, and we don't come back to that room all week long. And that's why on Thursday, we're struggling. And on Friday, we're wondering if we're still saved. Because we lock Jesus up in worship, and we don't get back to him until next Sunday. And we spend an hour and 15 minutes with him, and we lock him back up. And you know what happens? We end up with an intimacy on Sunday that changes nothing on Monday. Okay. All right. And I said some hard things. First service, y'all don't amen me. I'm going to say I'm harder right here. You know what the, you know what the community, you know, we talk about engaging the community. You know what the community wants to know about you? They want to know how come it is that on Sunday morning you are so connected to God, you are so intimate with Him, so close to Him, but nothing's changing about your life Monday through Saturday. Come on, somebody, you better amen me or I'll stay here all afternoon. You know what I'm talking about. They want to know how is it that you people feel like you're closer to God than anybody and your life is falling apart just as much as mine is. Your kids are just as bad. You're praying over sicknesses. You're praying and ain't nothing happening. How can you have? You know how it's happening? It's because we're visiting the bedroom. We're visiting worship, but we're not living there. We're dating him on the weekends, but we're not living there. And what God wants us to do is he wants, you know what we need to do? Is we need to unlock that door this morning. And when we finish with worship, we say, now God, I'm about to head out into a world full of the devil and all that hell that he's bringing into my life. In the name of Jesus, go out there with me and help me get through this. But I know what you say. You say, but preacher, you don't understand how, how important this is to me. It is my escape. This hour and 15 minutes is my escape from all. Ah, oh, I thank God. It's wonderful sometimes. It's wonderful to get that vacation from all the hell you've been going through. But you know the problem with the vacation, don't you? It ends. And when the vacation is over, you go back to a life that was just like your life before the vacation started. Nothing changes in a vacation. You know, it's just like taking a break at work. If everybody takes a break, you shut down all the computers, you shut down. There's no production. Nothing's happening. Nothing's being created. No sales calls are being made. No. And then you know what you got to do when you start all over? Yeah, you got to start the computers back up. You got to start the printing press or whatever it is you're doing. You got to start it back up. And that's what you're doing every single Sunday. If you're, do, if you're just trying to hang out for now, you're coming in every Sunday and having to start all over. When you say, God, you know, I would say, you know, like, I don't have probably a lot of people in this church that I could have a Sunday school every single morning and have people show up. Probably don't have a lot of people like But you know, I got some people probably in this church that if we had five worship services on Sunday, you'd show up for all of them. But here's the, here's the problem is, your worshiping on Sunday ain't changing anything else to the rest of the week. You know why? Because you're imbalanced. You've got to have the study too. And you've got to have the fellowship. You've got to have that family opportunity time where you can go... And so, I mean, if you're worshiping all the time, you can't even tell God what you need. 
I mean, there's some people, there's a, there's a worse, but God knows, I mean, God knows what they need, but God, he never, they don't even tell God what they need. You've got to have all of it. Now, let me get to this last room real quick, the kitchen. Y'all know what the kitchen is, don't you? I mean, I got, I got all kind of mental pictures in my mind of the kitchen. You know, Paula Dean and all those ladies are on that, you know, and I'm thinking about that. Paula Dean, my mom, my mother-in-law, I meant, uh, I mean, my, my, my mouth waters just talking about some of them, you know, and I think, uh, you know, my mother-in-law's not been able to cook for several years now because of her sickness, and I really, I really miss those Thanksgivings, you know, where I'd eat, gorge out to my mom's and run down to my mother-in-law's, you know, and I'd have it all over again, you know, you know, or Martha. You know Martha? Jesus' friend. Martha. Read the verse right here. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha. And my paraphrase of this is, Martha, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset over all these details. Mary and Martha, two ends of the spectrum. It appears that Mary is, uh, she's either in the study or in the bedroom with Jesus. I mean, like she's right at his feet. And you got Martha, she's in the kitchen. What's the kitchen? Kitchen's the place we prepare to serve others. I ain't got time to develop this. You're going to have to add two and two on this together by yourself a little bit, okay? It is the place where we prepare to serve others. And a lot of you ain't going to the kitchen. You got the kitchen locked up. You ain't served anybody in a long time. I'm, I, I knew this was going to be one get on your toes a little bit. It's been a long time since you've been to the kitchen. It's been a long time since you prepared something for somebody else. It's time you get back to the kitchen. Unlock the door. Say, Jesus, come in here. Say, here's, a, here's part of the problem. She didn't even want Jesus in the kitchen. She didn't say, Jesus, will you come help me? She said, Jesus, tell my sister come help me. You know, that's the way a lot of people are that do like to live in the kitchen all the time. Is they really don't want any help. You know? They just sometimes get mad because there's some people sitting around not doing anything. They really don't want their help. They just don't like the fact that they're getting to sit around and not do anything. They want them busy. They really don't want their help, though. Amen or oh me. I know y'all, some of y'all smiling. Y'all know exactly what I'm hitting. I'm, man, I'm hitting y'all right where y'all live, some of y'all. You know what I'm talking about. Mary and Martha. You know, here, and here's what we do. When Jesus shows up, Jesus showed up at their house, and what did they do? They ran to their favorite rooms. That's what we do, don't we? Jesus shows up, we run to our favorite rooms. You love worship, you run to worship. You love the word, you say, okay, I can't wait. Okay, glad that worship's over, let's get to the word now. When Jesus shows up. Can I remind you of something? I said, I said back in January, you know, this hour and 15 minutes is supposed to be a microcosm, a model picture of what your life is supposed to be like all week long. You're supposed to be going to every one of these rooms every day. But here's the thing, I, I, I got to quit, I got to quit. Martha didn't ask for Jesus to come. She didn't need Jesus' help. You see, here's the problem, if you hang out at the kitchen too long, you don't get into all the other rooms. And some of y'all are Marthas, so I'm preaching to you a little bit right here. Here's the problem, if you stay in, if you stay in the kitchen all the time, you're going to get to believing you don't need Jesus' help. You can do it all yourself. You know how to cook without Jesus' help, Martha did, you know. You know how to shake a hand. Hey, greeters, y'all know how to shake hands. Y'all don't need Jesus. Shake a hand, right? Everybody know how to shake hands? Anybody need, anybody need some remedial courses on shaking hands? We all know how to shake hands, right? 
I came in this morning. I was walking through, and I saw, I saw Matt. Matt. Matt got here, and, and guess what? He was, he was making coffee. You know what? It wasn't his job to make coffee. We're not union around here, so it's okay. Okay, we're not going to get anybody fired. You know, he, you know, he came in. He didn't, now, listen, he didn't get anointed and say, oh, I just feel God was moved on me, and it's time i got to make some coffee to be blessed by God today. No, you know what? The coffee pot was empty. And so he went over and started making some coffee. You know what? He didn't have to have God's direction on making coffee. Now, I might because I ain't never had a, you know, had a cup of coffee or, or, uh, or even tried to make coffee. I don't need, we don't need that. You know what? They're changing diapers down at the other end of the building. I'm assuming, John and April, y'all have changed a few the past few weeks. You don't need God's help to change diapers, do you? I mean, you know how to change a diaper, right? And, and, and when Mike and Chase showed up this morning... You know, they didn't stop right before they punched the button on the computer and say, oh, God, please make this computer work. I mean, I've had some computers I needed to pray that over. But, I mean, you know, you, they, didn't have, they didn't need God's help to turn the computer on. We don't need God's help a lot of times. I've got to hurry through this. Let me just say this. Those aren't the only places where we work. You know what? We don't need, to help. We don't need God's help to teach. We got teaching going on downstairs. You know what? Live church, you ever been on their website? Those people give away better stuff than I used to buy to do kids and church and kids and youth ministry. I mean, this is there. I don't, I don't need God's help. I can teach. I can teach. Well, God, God don't have to show up. I can teach. You know? Sing. Yeah, we we can sing. We don't have to. Jamie will sing a lot of times this week that she never asked God to help her. I mean, she could sing. Y'all have heard her. These these musicians, they can play. They, we don't need God's help to play, to sing, and pr- to pray. We're going to pray here at the end in just a few moments. And you know what? We don't need... Britain's got a whole lot of prayers. Y'all been getting the, getting the emails, haven't you? Man, he's got a whole lot of stuff to pray. He don't need God's help to pray. And guess what? I can preach without God, too. Sure, man. Man, I've been doing this so long, I can preach without God. I, I can get a message together. If I'm struggling, all i got to do is go online, look for about five or ten minutes, I can have you a good message somebody else preached. Can we do church without God? You betcha we can. And that's the problem. Because when we live in the kitchen, in our works, Martha, listen to me. You listen to me, Martha? Listen, Martha. I want your attention. I know you're already thinking about how you're going to take care of some stuff right as soon as church is over. Listen to me, Martha. You need to remember. I, I, I propose something to all you Marthas today. I propose something to all you workers today. I propose this, that we don't ever shake a hand anymore in this church as a greeter until we pray. That on our way to church, we say, God, I'm going to be shaking a lot of hands today. And I don't know, there's somebody that's going to be at that church that needs an encouraging word today. And God, I pray, Lord, you anoint me that when I'm shaking, I'll know the ones that need me to take another 10, just another 10 seconds. God, anoint me. God, I'm going to be making coffee in a little while. I pray, God, sanctify. Don't let me make anybody sick today, I pray, God. But more than that, Lord, let it be something that gives people an excuse to hang around 10 or 15 minutes and just share with one another and build stronger fellowship, God, in that family room we're going to be in after church is over today. God, and God, as I, as I, as I go with, and I change diapers in the nursery this, this morning, Lord. God, you know those kids that, that don't get enough love all week long. God, l- let your love just flow through me. God, give me, as I'm, as I'm holding those precious little children in my hands, God, I pray your anointing be upon me as I, as I reach them. And God, when I turn on the, on the sound system and, the, and on the computer and the projector, God, you know, there's going to be people coming in. I pray, God, from the moment we turn it on until we turn it off, God, that it be anointed, Lord, so 
that when people come in, God, they are being connected. And there's the part of my ministry, God, is pulling them in closer to you. And God, I don't ever want to sing ever again. I don't ever want to play an instrument ever again that I'm not anointed by your Holy Spirit. God, I don't ever want to teach a class. I don't ever want to get a message from anybody else, Lord. I want to be anointed by your Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't want to come to the front and pray because I know how to pray for other people. God, I pray anoint me, Lord, so when somebody says, this is what I'm struggling with, God, I pray give me the words to say. Give me, give me the anointing, Lord, so that when I lay my hands on them, your Holy Spirit brings. I propose to you that we never go to the kitchen so much that we don't remember. We've also got to go to the study and we got to go to the family room and we got to go to the bedroom. And, and before I approach this place of my ministry, if I've got something against somebody or I've done something wrong, God, I'm going to go back to the bathroom and I'm going to ask you, God, get that earth off me. Get that world off me again, Lord. Cleanse me. Sanctify me. Keep doing that work on my outside, God, that you've already done on my inside. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I propose to you that we do that. Please, stand with me. Come to the front. Let's close this. Amen. Whew. I thought I was going to end early, but I didn't. And if any of you are upset about it, I just encourage you to go volunteer in the nursery next week and you'll realize sitting here for 40 minutes ain't near as bad as being in the nursery when the pastor goes over. Move on down as close as you can, please. Prayer team, get ready, if you will. If I had another 15 minutes, let me tell you what I'd preach to you. Give me the, give me the, the room at the end. The room without the stuff in it. I, I'd preach to you and I'd tell you this. In this service today, we've already been to every one of those rooms. We're going back to some of them right now. We're going back to the bath right now. If you've got sin in your life, if you, if you have walked away from God and you're ready to come back to God, we're going to the bath right now. Come down to the front. Connect one of these people facing you. Say, pray with me. I had been living for God and I want God just wiped. I want him to just wash the world away. Uh, or, or, or we're going to the family room too. That's, that's right here. We're going back to the family room. The place, you remember where I said that's the place where I make my petition to my dad? Say, hey, uh, I need something. That's what we're doing in just a few moments. If you've got sickness in your, in your body right now, if you've got a family need, if your kids, your kids are out living like hellions or whatever you know, is going on, if you're struggling in school, if you've got financial problems in your or it, it, maybe it's not you, maybe it's just somebody close to you, you know somebody that needs something, please come. We're going to the family room in just a moment. Come on, you can move right now because if you don't go ahead and get down here, we don't have near enough people to pray for all the people out here that have needs. You can move right now. Just come on. You know, we're about to go to the bedroom again. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying. We're going back to the bedroom. And in case you didn't get in them just a little while ago, Jesus says, come on, let's, let's unlock the door and go back in for just a little bit longer. And man, it was good at the end of the first service. That, that second trip to the bedroom this morning was good at the end of the, second, the first service. Let's go again. So, so here's the thing. I know you've all got your favorite rooms crazy thing about it is I, I can hear those people in the study right now you know they yelling at all those people up there in the, in the bedroom saying y'all need to come down out of that worship for a little while and learn something about God y'all smiling y'all hate to say amen because y'all, y'all afraid y'all gonna hurt somebody's feelings standing next to you y'all just gonna let the pastor do it and you know what same thing I'm hearing the people up in the, up in the bedroom saying Mm-mm, those people down there in the study they need to come just take a just understand what this is like. Then never go back to study again. 
we've all got our favorite rooms. I propose today that we unlock the doors to all of them in our spiritual houses and we let God move in and out of any one of them He wants to as He wants to move in. And then we let Him take us to the study. We let Him take us to the bath to clean us up. We let him, We spend some time with Him in, in the family room and we spend some time with Him in the kitchen getting ready to go serve somebody else and we spend some time in it. I'm going to unlock your power. Come on. Listen, if you've got a need, please move right now. Hurry. You